you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And, uh, but you have also one more part, which is that the first impression does not matter so much as the lasting one. Can you elaborate on that? So I don't know if it's a common theme in all of global language, but of course, one of those popular phrases is, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And a lot of times that word first impression is applied to sales. That impression we make when we're selling something, our salespeople appear, what we wear. I don't know about you, brother, but I am so glad I don't have to wear a suit coat because I wear suit coats to go on a big stage in front of an audience of 2,000 people because that's what speakers do. <clears throat> but in fact, I don't need to wear a coat because I can't stand wearing coats because I don't have any shoulders. All I got is these little stubs that are here. Try keeping on a coat just so you can make a good impression. Oh my God, I used to put on a tie. Try putting on a tie without arms. And then my wife to me said one day, honey, just be glad you're not a woman and you have to worry about a bra and pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really funny is I'm actually wearing a shirt by a company called Untuck It. Mm -hmm. Untuck It is a company I need to work for as a speaker because I want to thank them for coming up with the best shirts ever. Let's go to one more uh, comment about the, the, the washroom. Remember, Simon? Mm -hmm. Try tucking your shirt into your pants once you have it on, not using your hands. How would you do that? Well, I'm a drummer, and I'm gonna show you that before this interview is over, by the way. I used to push my shirts down into my pants with a drumstick in my teeth so that I could make a proper first impression. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. If you like wearing clothes, if you like expensive ties, if you like expensive shoes or lady nice handbags, that's absolutely fine. We need to walk around with pride in who we are. My point is when people talk about impressions, it's different when you're Alvin Law, because nobody has ever had the right impression of me ever, mm. right? Mm. They just look at me like, oh my God. And then they go, what happened to you? And it's interesting because it's a great question. Now I used to answer it in a very sort of simple medical way. I'm a thalidomide baby, I was born without arms. Yearn to use my feet. We've covered that in this interview. But my new age answer now is, not to be smart, nothing. What happened to you? Nothing happened to me. I was born this way. In fact, even in popular terminology today, talking about COVID one more time, I've gotten so tired of this expression, the new normal. Uh, pardon me, there is no normal. See, this idea that there's something that we can move towards. And by the way, this has nothing to do with your strategies. There are absolute strategies for success. But what I'm talking about is too many people put so much emphasis on appearances versus character, content of character. And if I may make one reference to the United States with no disrespect, the reason that it's so shocking to so many people around the world is not shocking to Americans. I'm not being derogatory. America is a land of violence. It always has been. Canada, mind you, I'm here in Canada, we're a land of peacekeepers, that we're the people that invented the Blue Beret, right? So we are peaceful people. Austrians, peaceful people. Europeans, peaceful people. And I don't mean anything derogatory by this, but look what happens when we have a war. Nobody wins a war. And there's probably memories of that in your countries in particular. 
the horrible histories and legacies. See, to me, this is the key to what we're talking about today, Simon. I'm not suggesting that race is a simple problem we can fix. It is a huge problem if you've got a problem. See, I've never put any emphasis on the exterior of a person. So my nature, and I'm not trying to sound perfect here, my nature is never to look at somebody as being different. And here was the key that changed my thinking. This was huge. First time I got up and spoke to a group of young people, the first question I got, I was 20 years old, how do you go to the bathroom? Mm. I didn't want to answer the question. I felt really uncomfortable, all right? But I still went back and started talking to kids. Then I spoke to a school that had six and seven-year-olds in the front row. Five minutes into my talk, they all pulled their arms inside their shirts, looked up at the stage and shook their arms like this. And if you're not, for your listeners, I'm shaking my upper body. Can you imagine these kids doing that with their arms inside their shirts? I was not offended, but I thought that was 1981. It will change. As a perfect example, I've traveled the world. I've been to five continents. My wife and I were in Uganda about three years ago, and I spoke to a school there. Five minutes into my show, the entire front row of five and six-year-olds pulled their arms inside their shirts and did the same thing the white kids did in Canada. What does that say to me? That says kids are kids all around the planet. Therefore, people are people all around the planet. And our color of skin, our religion, our languages, while important to relate to, are not what define us. Our humanity does. And that's what an impression means. We need to leave a lasting one, one of character, one that reminds people of how good we are and how we want to be around that person have a good relationship. These are all about long-term strategies, but as you suggest, we must have this boundful energy weekly when we're trying to overcome the obstacles that are there. This is so powerful. What you just gave away is a whole process of, of managing life and of managing emotions and of managing yourself. What, most of the things that we do and that we experience, they are not in our control. There are really just a couple things that are in our control. And this is what your ERO formula really puts well. You have only in your control how you respond to events. That's it. But all events are not in your control. How you look is not in your control. How your body uh, functions is not in your control. How your mind functions is not in your control. Actually, because you are a spiritual person, I can go there even deeper with you and I can share with the audience something that I never shared uh, until now, that every morning I do a small yoga practice, uh. which, which is a very powerful practice. I'm just sitting and uh, with breathing in, I say, I am not the body. And with breathing out, I say, I'm not even the mind. I'm not the body. I'm not even the mind. I'm not the body. I'm not even the mind. It's a very simple process that I do for five to 10 minutes every morning. But uh, it is powerful. It is powerful because it is an illusion to identify with the body. So when you say at the beginning, how do you call me Simon or Simone? I really don't care. I don't identify yeah. as Simon. You know, this is, this is one limit. My body is one limit of my existence right now. But the, 
it's not what defines me. And uh, what is it that defines me? Well, I don't know. I know that I am this consciousness behind the body and behind the mind, which is much bigger than, than everything else. And I know nothing about this consciousness because science didn't find out anything about it. And it's one of the 125 open questions of science. So I just try to explore it every morning and just to connect a little bit more with it. I'm far away, but what I know is I am not this body. And there is even one exercise that I try to do in order to find out, okay, who is it that is observing? What is this consciousness? I literally, there is a, an, a, a metaphor in my mind that I try to pick up. So if I would cut my hands, am I still here? Yes. If I cut more, am I still here? Yes. If I cut my legs, am I still here? Yes. So I am not the body. This is one exercise that I do every day. The highest calling right now is to be of service. So the best sales is to not sell at all, but instead to serve the people you care about. Selling is telling. So who do you serve? And how do you serve them? The quality of this experience makes the difference. If you want our experts to go over your current sales funnel and really dive into the experience and the needs of your clients at each conversion point and make it a wow experience, then you are in luck because we have an exercise for you. Our 15-minute sales audit and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a world-class sprint coach. Fill out a couple of questions about your sales funnel and you will have clarity. In your personalized coaching session, you will get clarity on your number one bottleneck, three ideas on how to accelerate your growth, and a tangible sales map on how to double your conversions. Go to strategysprints.com sales and do our 15-minute free sales audit today. So let's go into the spiritual part. It was not planned, but... You are a spiritual person. Tell us more about it. What, what, what is your practice? What is your experience? Well, first of all, you can't make these moments up. And this was not contrived, right, Simon? We didn't talk about this before. We just met 15, 20 minutes ago on this program. Right now, it is after 8 o'clock in the morning in Canada. We are on a lake in Canada. You can't see it. It's on the other side of my yellow wall. In the other room is my wife, Darlene. Her and I have been together since 1991. She is absolutely, I positively, I promise, not making this up, doing yoga in our living room right now. <laughs> and she's looking out at a lake through a huge glass set of doors, and the water is sparkling, the sun is shining. It is the most beautiful, stunning sight. This is how I spent my summers growing up in Canada. I would lay out at night in the dock on the, on the pier or, or whatever and sit and just watch the stars. The trouble with today's thinking is we've sped it up. I don't even have my phone with me to show you. I have, a, I have an iPhone. It's in the other room. Why? Because I'm not attached to it. Mm. Do you have any idea the benefit of not having to carry a phone around? It's not in my back pocket because I can't pull it out. I can't walk around holding it. And some people just say, well, I can't live without my phone. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> We're conditioned, <clears throat> hey, the people that designed this stuff are brilliant. They made us believe that we have to have this device. And here's the problem. What most people do when they wake up in the morning is not do meditation or yoga. 
they go straight to their device and check what's going on. Look at their Facebook, look at their Instagram, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. Even worse, they'll leave it right beside their bed and pick it up at three o'clock in the morning just to make sure that, who is missing something at three o'clock in the morning for God's sakes? Meditation and yoga are something that is part of our everyday life. I didn't even realize I was doing meditation when I was a kid because once a year I had to stay in a hospital in Canada, away from home, usually in Toronto, Canada, which was like good three days drive from my, where I grew up, to use artificial arms. They believed that I needed to have artificial arms, they being the medical community. And my parents being foster parents couldn't turn down the medical advice. It was part of the contract. So I would lay in a hospital bed in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night with four other people in the room with me, trying to calm my thinking trying to calm my breath. Simon, I haven't taken a Tylenol for 17 years because when I get a headache now, I get to a place and meditate and I learn to breathe and I learn to, just what you're talking about. It's a feeling and not, you know, a lot of people roll their eyes at this. Well, you know what? This is not exactly some minority that believes in this. You know, we've, we've studied Buddhism and Hinduism in our home and the idea of how people can be spiritually so connected the ironic part is a lot of these people aren't Tony Robbins types with due respect. They tend to be quieter. They tend to be calmer. That's not a coincidence. People out there watching and listening to this, you need to find a source of your inner spirit. That is exactly what I discovered growing up this way. So in fact, it became a bonus, not a curse. And one more quick, just quick example. When I met Darlene in 1991, have you ever met someone like this, Simon, where you see someone, and I'm heterosexual, okay, so this was a woman, and I just couldn't stop looking at her. My feelings about her were she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. I was at the time divorced and was a single father of a five-year-old. My son lived with me after a terrible marriage that was a, one of necessity because of religious beliefs. We got married and then we got divorced. So I'm taking care of a little boy all by myself. Imagine that. And then I meet Darlene. I'm not looking to marry somebody. I'm not looking to date somebody because I got a five-year-old kid at home. And I just couldn't. First thing she said to me, we met at a conference she was co-chairing and I was the speaker. She goes, you're staring. I said, I'm not staring. She goes, you're drooling too. I said, I'm not drooling. <laughs> In fact, why I was attracted to her because she's beautiful on the outside way more beautiful on the inside as a person but why'd she marry me I don't think it was the biceps this discussion we've had today about our energy comes from mm. you're absolutely right those words consciousness mindfulness consideration of others it shocks people that I think this way because they think I should be bitter mm. well what would that accomplish Right? That's the trouble with what's going on in the United States is they're just, they have a right to be mad. That was a terrible thing. But terrible things happen to good people every day. So in other words, when we think of a V, let's think of the word value instead of victim. Because everybody has value. And when we find it in ourselves, we lead a better life. Beautiful. And that's also another example of your ERO formula. You cannot change the event. You can just change your frame. You're embracing it. 
you're reframing it, how you respond to it. It can have a plus, it can have a minus. Both is, both is wrong, both is right. What is wrong, what is right at the end? It's just, it changes the result, right? The outcome changes. Well, one of the words, Simon, if I may add just one more, because I know these are segments that are supposed to be shorter. Good luck with me. <laughs> Try writing down the word. I already asked you to write this down for your kids. No such word as can't. But what the first thing you need to see when you wake up in the morning has got to be a sign of how lucky you are. Mm. Not even if you're not feeling lucky or fortunate, I get that. I, I understand. I'm not trying to be critical. But everybody's got something to be grateful for. Everybody. So if we write the word gratitude on something, it's the first thing we see. We wake up, we open our eyes, we see the word gratitude. Our first thought of the day is now then a positive one. I mean, again, I know I'm lucky. I get that. I'm not bragging. But when I turn over and look across the bed, I see Darlene still there. That was a long time ago. We met 29 years ago, man. And then I've got my dog. That's the next thing that I will do. When we're done this interview, I will take him for a walk on the road. And there's a farmer's field across the road where they just started planting. We are in the middle of nature here. And my dog responds to my voice commands. And we love to play ball together. So I'm out there looking at a farmer's field, looking at the lake, playing with my dog. And I've got no arms is the biggest problem I've got. No, it's not. In fact, here's the, here's the last thing I want people to think about from my interview today. I was lucky to be born this way because it gave me the life that I've got today. Here's why. Remember those people that left me in the hospital? I got to meet them in 1993, my birth family. I didn't do it out of some kind of curiosity. I didn't need to know my health records. I did it to acknowledge the woman who gave birth to me. Because the woman I'm married to, who is not the mother of our child, because of course he's been living with us the whole time, the mother of my life gave birth to me. But you don't get to earn the title mom by giving birth. You earn the title mom by your actions by what you teach your children and by your commitment and dedication to them. And by the way, while we're on the topic, now is not a good time to kind of be getting angry and upset with your kids. You had them. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, insulting, but kids are a gift. Hmm. They're supposed to be. And I think that's the bottom line is our lives are gifts, even though it doesn't feel like that. So that's my point of the whole story is getting to know my birth family made me understand it wasn't tragic they gave me up. It was a blessing they gave me up. Because if they didn't want me, why would I want to live with them? The people that took me home gave a, a, a gesture. We love you. We want you. We've committed to you. If we do that in the same respect with all of our staff, all of our communities, all of our neighbors, just outward caring, it, I promise you will change your life. It's a bizarre thing, man. But if you believe in this, this universal energy can provide things for us that we have no clue might be coming down the pipe. Alvin, thank you so much for sharing so generously your journey, your wisdom with all of us. And uh, I hope that people who listen to this, that they share it with people who, who need to hear this. Thank so you Simon, much, can I Alvin. play the drum for you before we go? Yeah, please do it. This is going to be a bit loud, folks, but uh, I, I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm definitely going to be interrupting my wife's yoga. 
But here we go. One, two, three. If you're listening, Arvin is playing just with his feet. There you go. That's how I do it. And by the way, you can see more of me. And I know you'll promote this. I'm not a promoter like sure. this. I should be. Alvinlaw.com. But one of the things that I'm most proud of is I played the drums in a music video for the opening ceremonies of the Rio Paralympics in 2016 that was filmed in England. You can find it on my website. I'm playing behind a drum kit. The entire band has a handicap or so, or supposedly. And the point of this whole thing is that the Paralympics are my perfect example of how we took something that was negative and turned it into something that was positive. So now when someone perhaps has a terrible accident and becomes paralyzed, instead of thinking their life is over, now they at least have the optimistic approach to say, well, now I'm going to have another chapter. Like I said at the beginning, man, we're all writing our own book. What does yours want to read What's the easiest way to stay in contact with you? Where should people go to find more of you? Well, first of all, you can find my website at alvinlaw.com, but I am not active on Instagram like some people say I should be. I'm most commonly active on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And if you just look up Alvin Law, you can find them both. And if you just go to my website, it's all off there too. So, Thank you so much, Alvin. This has been a real pleasure, sir, and I really mean that. And uh, like I said, now I'm going to go figure out how to stack those books. <laughs> yeah, all right.